We are in Colossians this morning. We're going to spend three weeks in these same four verses. And, and really, the, um, the subject of what we're talking about is this idea that we are hidden in Christ. And so that's our, our sermon series title. That's where we should end up every week. Um, but even as we look at, you know, why we would want to jump into something uh, for three weeks, you know, it's only four, four verses for three weeks. It seems like we're going to be there for a little while. There's this beautiful uh, passage that really puts on display who Christ is. And so we want to spend uh, this time looking at that. Because all of Scripture points to the work of Jesus and what He's done, right? All the Old Testament, we kind of separate them in our own minds. The Old Testament talks more like about God, God the Father. New Testament talks about Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And so we have that delineation in our minds. But the, the Bible doesn't actually do that. All of Scripture points to the triune God, the God that is both Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It says in the beginning that Jesus was there in creation. And so we can't separate these things out. And so as we look in Colossians, we're going to see all of this, and it's all going to point to Jesus. Two things that, that we're going to see, um, the major doctrines of our faith that float, and doctrine is just a belief, right? It's, it's a bigger word for what do we believe. These doctrines of our faith flow out of our position in Christ. And so, in Christ and with Christ, whenever we see that in Scripture, there's, there's truth there that changes who we, that, that is a, a truth about the change that's taken place if we are in Christ. How should we live? How should we think? And so, all of these doctrines point to Christ. Even the, the, the personal doctrines of the perspective that's sometimes called the, the gospel on the ground that talks about the regeneration that happens in our hearts, right? If, because we just read about it, we have a natural desire for ourselves to do what we want, but somewhere in there, there's got to be this change in our desires. And, and so the Bible talks about that's this regenerating work that happens in our hearts that changes what we, where our affection was, and suddenly we see Christ and we long for him. And then the, the second piece of that is this justification that happens. And that's really where we're going to rest a lot today is this identity that we have because of who Christ is and what he's done, that we are justified before a holy God because of the work of Christ. And then sanctification. And so even as we're looking at the passage, right, if you have been raised with Christ, so that's your position, that's your identity. Seek the things that are above where Christ is, the sanctification process where our lives begin to change our thoughts begin to change, how we live changes, and we are being sanctified and made into the image of God. And all of it is for that fourth piece of, of kind of gospel on the ground, that our personal relationship with God, we're, we're regenerated, our hearts are regenerated, we're justified before God, we're being sanctified, and then one day, and we see it in the passage, we will be glorified with Christ. And so that glorification piece. But there's a, another perspective of the gospel. So that would be the, the personal redemptive implications of the gospel for us. The means of salvation. How does salvation happen for the believer? That's that piece. But, but Jesus is not just that piece. He's, he's the whole redemptive story. The historical redemptive implication of the gospel 
which is sometimes called the gospel in the air, right, tells this story of creation. And Jesus was there in the beginning when God created. The triune God worked together to create. Creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. That's, that's the historical narrative. That's the story we try to tell every week because we need to hear it. <laughs> we'll forget. We'll think that either we haven't fallen, right, which we've remembered this morning, or we'll think that we can do it ourselves. And if we just tried harder, we'd be able to fix it and we'd live differently. But the reality is that there's only one Redeemer, Jesus the Redeemer, who has redeemed us and changed us. And so you have creation, fall, redemption, and then restoration. See, God is making all things new. He's restoring us to what he created us to be. All of it is for his glory. So as we look at hidden, in Christ, hidden with Christ, and we're looking at Colossians 3, 1 through 4, we're going to see all of these things. We're going to be able to point to, to them. Another reason that we're spending this time uh, before we launch into Mark in February is so that when we read in the Gospel of Mark what Jesus did and what he said, we have these, these things in the back of our mind. And we're like, oh, that's where he's working redemption on our behalf. That's where he's recalling the Old Testament. And he's fulfilling the law that we couldn't fulfill. And he's walking that perfect righteousness. And then he walks that perfect righteousness all the way to in obedience to death, even death on a cross. And so we want to have those things in our mind. We want to look at all of this through the lens of the, of the gospel, through a biblical lens. And not just this hour that we're together, right? But all of life. We want that to influence and change the way that we live. And so, this morning, we begin our series, Hidden with Christ. Um, one of the cool things is in my study, I, 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 Jeremiah shared with me a, a passage or an article that was, um, if you know who John Piper is, Desiring God is his uh, website. And you can go there, there's a ton of great articles. But one of the emails that came to him was, hey, what, is, what does it mean that we are in Christ? And he, he, he came back and he said, listen, the best thing that I can do for this person that's asking is I can give them a concordance. And we may not know what a concordance is because we don't have a lot of physical copies of books anymore. But if you have a, um, an online tool, that you read the Bible out of, or if you use version, or if you have something, you can usually type in and search for uh, a phrase. And so he said, take that concordance and look up in Christ or with Christ and watch how many times it comes back. He said, there's 89 different times where in the New Testament, the, the in Christ passages. So if you were to, to, to look up, where does it say in Christ? And I just printed them out and it's, it's awesome. Like when you go to look through them, you, you start seeing, oh, I'm justified in Christ. I'm made alive in Christ. All of the things that we have in Christ. And so he said, hey, you don't need Pastor John Piper to tell you who you are. You have the scripture, God's word. He tells you who you are because of what Christ has done and what you are in Christ and with Christ. And so I would just encourage you this week, and, and I've posted it, I'll make a link available to, to go through this. Because we're not going to be able to understand if, if this is all of the church, right? If this hour together is all of the time that we have for church, 
then we're not going to be able to understand these things. We're not even going to make a dent. But if we take these home and, and this becomes, hey, I'm going to meditate on this. This is going to become part of my prayer life. God, will you show me in your word who I am in Christ? What does it mean that I'm with Christ and in Christ? And then for community group on Wednesday, when we meet again, we can, man, man God was speaking to me. He was telling me about how we are in Christ. And we could share some of those things that really spoke, spoke to our hearts and, and gave us joy this week. So I would just encourage you in that. Um, I went to look for a concordance at my house, and I don't have one, like a physical copy. So otherwise, I'd have brought that, and it would have been really impressive. But I didn't have it. Um, so I know that there's one at the church, so maybe next week uh, we'll bring one, and you guys can look through it. But the, I did list all the passages, and so we'll make that link available. Why do we do this? Why is this important? Our hope is that understanding these truths better will shape us to read God's word and his gospel through, the, through a lens, of a biblical lens, right? So this is our hope today. So I'm just going to pray uh, before we kind of walk through the passage. I, to be honest, it's a hard morning. So I would just ask that you would pray with me and that God would speak to us. That he would give us ears to hear and eyes to see. Because that's who we need to hear today. We need to hear God through his word. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you. We thank you that we come just as we are. uh, And you have displayed your glory in your church. God, even angels look and say, wow. They don't understand. They're, They're looking at how the mystery of God has unfolded in the church. And so, Lord, we thank you for that this morning. We thank you that you are making yourself known. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would soften our hearts today. That what we hear would become uh, what we long for. That you'd stir our affections and change our affections, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, that we can pray these things in confidence. God, give us clarity this morning in your word. Thank you for the gift of scripture. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to um, <clears throat> walk through this passage, but really we're going to jump to earlier in Colossians um, because the beginning of the passage says, if then you have been raised with Christ. So what I'll do And what you might have a tendency to do is I'll I'll read that first clause and then I'll jump to the doing. I'll say, and then it says, seek the things that are above. And I'll say, man, give me that checklist. Let's go. Let me start checking some things off, right? What do I need to do? Where can I go? What's my activity in this? But the reality is that Paul starts this chapter by saying, if then you have been raised with Christ... You need to know who you are before you go and try to know what you need to do. Right? We all need that. I'm desperate for that. I'm a doer. I like to check things off. But we need to remember who we are this morning. So we're going to circle back to Colossians 1. We're going to be looking at 15 through 20 together. Before we get there... Um, if we'll, we'll hear this and we'll think that that's got to be for me. 
But the reality is that, that, that there's an if for a reason. It says, if then you have been raised with Christ. So that would point to the fact that maybe there are some people who have not been raised with Christ. Okay? If you have not been raised with Christ, then all of these other things become this list of do's and don'ts that you either have to do to lead to self-righteousness or you don't do and they lead to sin and shame. But if you are in Christ, then Christ has done those things for you. So if becomes really important there. If you have been raised with Christ, we can't skip that word. Beautiful Eulogy, who's one of our favorite artists in our home, uh, they have a song called If. And the, the chorus line, the, the hook says, it could mean everything or it could mean nothing. One word makes the difference. That if, that peace, that says, if you have been raised with Christ, then all of these other things. And so this morning, if we have been raised with Christ, if we believe, if we have been given the gift of faith, all of these things are true. Paul's writing to the church, right? He's not writing a letter just to a random group of people. He's writing to the church, and he's, he's, his expectation is that that church, those people have been raised with Christ. They have been changed. They have been given the gift of faith to believe. So, if you have been raised with Christ. Well, that, that gives us a couple questions. Who is Christ? Right? If we've been raised with Christ, who is Christ? How are we hidden with Christ? Which is in verse 3, because it says, If you have been raised with Christ, then seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Verse 3, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. The being portion, right? Who are we? We are raised with Christ. We are hidden in Christ. Those are very passive statements. Christ has done all the action. We are just there. We are being in Christ. So we need to know who Christ is, how are we hidden with Christ, and then we're going to get into application the next two weeks, we're going to look at, hey, because of who we are in Christ, what, how does that change how we live? And what is the purpose of why God has done that? Why has God put us in Christ? Why do we have that position? It's for His glory. I'll just give you the, give you the, the answer right now. We won't even have to tease till next week. It's for His glory, right? And then how do we live out of that? We live out of that by remembering this identity and allowing Him to change us. By putting on, by putting off and putting on, putting off the old self and putting on Christ, resting in Christ. So that's what we're going to be talking about the next two weeks, but this week we press into who are we? What is our position? Who is Christ? So Colossians 1, 15 through 20, I said we were going to go there and then I didn't go there, so you guys have probably been waiting on me, but here we go. Colossians 1, 15 through 20, it says, He is the image of the invisible God. He is talking about Jesus. The firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. 
man, that, it's a lot to unpack. We're not going to unpack it all because really what we're trying to get is just who is Christ? When we say that we are raised with Christ, we are hidden in Christ, who is this Christ that we're talking about? So some of the, some of the things that jump out, he's the image of the invisible God. So the God that, that no one saw in visible form, even they heard, right? Or he took the place, or he took the form of a, of a burning bush, right? God came to men in different ways, but they never saw him as a person until Jesus came. And he is the visible image of an invisible God. Truly God. We have to believe that. So when we read the, when we read the Gospel of Mark or when we read about who Christ was, we have to know that he is God. Otherwise, we think that he's a good dude and we should just try to be like him and do the things that he did. But that's not who he was. He was God, incarnate come to earth to be with us because we could not save ourselves. We needed a Savior. And so He came and gave of Himself. That's who Jesus is. He is God. The image of the invisible God. He's the Creator. It says that all all of creation is through Him and all of creation is for Him. So not only did He make it happen, but all of it was created for His glory. Keeps going. Sustainer of all things. He's the one that holds all of this together. He's the one that, that works providence throughout all of creation and history for His glory. It says that He's preeminent before all things. He's the head of the church. He's the firstborn from the dead. He's the number one. And I love 19... It says, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. If you've seen Jesus, you know God. So the best way for us to get to know God is to read about who Jesus is. To pray that God would reveal himself to us in the Son. And then finally, he's the reconciliation of all things. Today we're going to rest there. When we think about being hidden in Christ, hidden with Christ in God... Um, one of the things that comes to mind is, is how am I okay with God if, if what we said earlier about my sin and my tendency to be selfish and to want to do my own thing, how is that okay with a holy and righteous God? And we pointed to this and we said Jesus is the one who has reconciled us to himself. But maybe, maybe it'll be helpful with an, with an illustration um, I've, I've always thought of my, my sin and my shame. And, and then one time I was thinking about like on a whiteboard, right? You have this beautiful, clean whiteboard. And on that whiteboard is, is a, the things that I've done. It's my life, right? It's the way that I've uh, obeyed or not obeyed. And so, man, the, the, it's full, and a lot of it's written in black, we'll say. That's the, that's the bad stuff. And some of it maybe is written in green, and that's the stuff that maybe would give glory to God. But it's just a full board. And, and I, I thought, you know, maybe when, when Christ came, he, he washed away all the bad stuff. But, but really, I would be okay if he just washed away the whole thing. Like, if you just take the good and the bad, just give me something neutral, something clean, we'll be fine. 
And then I had the thought, well, maybe, maybe some of the good things are left. So now it's all the bad things are gone and the good things are still there. So it's not quite as full, man, but, but everything that's on there is good stuff. But the reality is that before God, right, if I am in Christ, he wiped the, the board clean. And then every obedience that Christ did is now on my slate. So it's full to overflowing. You can't find a whiteboard big enough to hold all of who Christ is so that when God looks at me, he no longer sees me. I am hidden in Christ. All of me. But where I want to rebel is I want to just kind of peek my head out and say, hey, there's still some good things in me, right? That's going to be the wrestle. That's where we're going to continue to wrestle. I'm not content to be hidden in Christ. I want a little bit of me, but the reality is that there's nothing better that's going to go on that board than what Christ has already put there. So when we stand before a holy God, we are hidden in Christ. We have, that's a gift. That's what it says in Romans 5.10. It says, for if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the gift of reconciliation. You see, we think about uh, the peace of the gospel where Christ died, and it says that his blood was poured out to wash away our sins. And so Christ's crucifixion is this the, 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 the thing that wipes our sins away and washes us white as snow. But Christ's life, right? His incarnation and then the way that he perfectly obeyed God the Father, that's the gospel piece that we need too. We need his righteousness on our behalf because otherwise it's just a blank slate. But when it's filled up with his righteousness and how he perfectly obeyed the Father even to the point of death, death on a cross... We can rejoice and we can say, that is who I am in Christ. I don't have to hide. I don't have to be, have shame. I can rejoice in what God has done, that I am hidden with Christ in God. But if we don't have that first, then we go and we try to walk in all of these other things. And we'll try, we'll jump right to setting our mind on things that are above, right? Trying to do these good things that even if it was on the slate, it would pale in comparison to who Christ is. And the reality is I can't walk in any of those things without Christ. And so we have, to, we have to rest and we have to be in this position of trusting who Christ is and what he's done for us. You see, so Paul, we're jumping in in chapter 3, but Paul's already laid the groundwork of who we are in Christ. He's pointed to Jesus and he said he was there in the beginning. He made all things. He sustains all things. He's the, the fullness of God. He's reconciled a wayward and rebellious people to himself. And then he goes on in, verse, er, in chapter 2. Look at verse 9. Chapter 2, verse 9. Again, just continuing to point to if you've seen Jesus, you've seen God, for in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. 
In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Just read that, man. You got to get excited. Because this is not just, when he says you, he's not talking about an impersonal you. He's talking about you. If you are in Christ, then all of this is true for you individually and for us corporately. We were dead. We know what it means that we were dead. We've been there. We know that it's not satisfying. We know the longing of something greater and we were dead in our trespasses. In verse 13, in our flesh, but God made us alive together, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt. As we think about that whiteboard, the, the debt is canceled. It's wiped away. Not only is the debt canceled there, but the debt is canceled because we owed a debt of death. Right? For our sin and our shame. If what the Bible says is true, for our sin, if what the Bible says is true, then we deserve to die. Romans 3.23 says that for all have fallen short of the glory of God. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's all of us. And because God is just and righteous and holy, the penalty needs to be paid. And Christ paid that penalty. He lived a perfect life. Did not deserve the death that he he died. We did. And so he paid it on our behalf because we could not do it. But not only did he, did he live the, the perfect life that we need, did he die the sin that we deserved, but he resurrected to prove that he is victorious over sin and death. And so now we don't have to walk in sin anymore. We can walk in his righteousness. His resurrection seals, puts his seal upon it to say this is forever. This is true. And then he ascended to the right hand of the Father. And we're going to see later on in in, uh, chapter 3 when it talks about when Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. What does it mean that God is at at the right hand of the Father? He's still interceding for us. He's still praying for us. He's still working on our behalf. And all of this is ours if we are in Christ, if we've been raised with Christ. How are we raised with Christ? How are we hidden with Christ? You can just write this down. Galatians 2.20 says this. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I live now in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. We are hidden with Christ in God through faith. By faith. 
the timepiece I'm still working out. Like, when was I hidden with Christ? Was it, like he said, that before anything happened, he, he, he knew, right? He wrote these names down in the Lamb's Book of Life. Was I hidden with Christ then? Was I hidden with Christ um, not until Christ actually did the work on the cross? Was I hidden with Christ when I believed at four and, and I prayed a, a simple prayer that said, um, Jesus, you love me. I want to love you. Was I hidden, or was I hidden with Christ at, at 23 when God did this radical? Uh, there's more to it than that. <laughs> right? When was I hidden in Christ? I don't, I don't know. I'm still working through some of that. So we can work through that together. But, but the reality is that if I am in Christ, then all of that is true for me. I'm hidden with Christ and God. That, that, and it's only through faith. Whether it was faith that God knew I was going to have before time, or whether it was faith that I had as a child, or whether it's faith now, it's all through faith that I'm hidden with Christ and God. That's what Galatians 2.20 says. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Right? And then he says, the life I, live now, I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. This is how we are hidden with Christ. It's through faith. And so we live with Christ. We've died with Christ. We're raised with Christ. We're seated with Christ. We'll appear with Christ. All of these things are true because we are in Christ and with Christ. We're hidden with Christ through faith in God. There's a piece here that is, I'm still trying to understand and unpack because I think that it's, it's going to radically change all of our ideas, all of my thoughts about who God is, but it says that we are in Christ. When we think about marriage, we think about husband and wife, right? They're two separate man and woman. They're two separate entities, and then they come together, and they are husband and wife, one different thing. Still retaining their own individual identities, but now they have this new identity. If we are in Christ, we still keep our own identity, but we have a different identity. And I don't, I don't know. I'm still trying to just wrestle with that. And, and I pray that we wrestle together. Like, God, what does that mean? Because I'm still living, I'm still wanting to have my foot in both, right? I still want my own identity, but this new identity, it's, it's really sweet and beautiful, and all the promises that you have for me of who I am in Christ and with Christ, they're beautiful. But how do I, how am I in Christ? And again, we come back to this, we circle back to the faith piece. Right? Today, what do, what do we take from this? Well, we have to believe. We have to believe that all of this is true, even when I, I wrestle and it doesn't make sense. Right? Or when I wrestle and I look at my life and I'm like, that, that's not Christ. So I don't know how I'm with Christ and in Christ if that's where my life is. Because I'm impatient with my children. Right? I'm, I'm selfish with my time. All of those things. And yet God is changing me. 
And so I come back to that, that gift of faith and I say, God, will you give me the gift of faith and belief that this is true about me? And then will you help me to speak that to my, my own heart, to the hearts of my family, because if they are in Christ, they need to hear this, to the hearts of my church, to the hearts of my neighbors, right? So that other people would hear and know, hey, we are in Christ. We are hidden with Christ in God. You don't have to be ashamed anymore. You don't have to hide because you messed up. You have a new identity. You are in Christ. So we have, so just taking, taking some application points, and you're going to be like, man, those are some very weak application points. But the reality is they're not weak. They're just, they're just not doing. They're being. We have to believe that this is true about us. We have to proclaim this truth to each other. And we have to live in light of this identity. We sang earlier. I'm going to grab the words. We sang this whole sermon all in one song. We sang it in Before the Throne of God Above. I just want to read this to you as we close. And I want you to hear the words because when we sing these words... We're making this proclamation to our own hearts first and foremost and then to each other and to God to say, this is who we are. It says, before the throne of God above, I have a strong and perfect plea, a great high priest whose name is love, whoever lives and pleads for me. See, that is Christ. We are in Christ. We are hidden with God in Christ. And he is the great high priest whose name is love, and he is ever living and pleading for me. His name is, my name is graven on his hands, right? There's a reason that, that at the cross, he, his hands were pierced, right? And it wasn't for him, it was for us. And so when we sing, my name is graven on his hands, we can say, look at the scars in my Savior. They're for me. And they're for you, if you are in Christ. My name is written on his heart. I know that while in heaven he stands, no tongue can bid me thence depart. And then, then you get into, but I'm still struggling with, with unbelief. When Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, what do I do with that? Upward I look and see him there who made an end to all of my sin. Right? When I, I, I look at Jesus and I see him and I'm like, man, he, if I am in Christ... My sin is done. Because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free. For God, the just, is satisfied to look on Him and pardon me. He looked on Him. And at the cross, God turned His face from His Son. Because at the cross, Jesus bore my sin. He bore our sin. He was cut off from God which is where we should be, and yet he took that separation from God for your sin and for my sin. God poured out his wrath on his son and pardoned us. Verse 3 says, Behold him there, the risen lamb. So we've also declared that not only did he die, but he rose again defeated sin and death for us. He is my perfect spotless 
righteousness. The great unchangeable I am, the King of glory and of grace, one with himself. We are one with Jesus. One with himself. I cannot die. My soul is purchased by his blood. My life is hid with Christ on high. My, with Christ my Savior and my God. This morning, if we've been raised with Christ, our identity, our identity that was purchased by the blood of, of the Son is that we are in Christ. That's who we are. And we get to live in that, to explore that, to read about all of what that means together. And to plumb the depths, and we will, not pl- we will not finish mining those gems for all of our days. And we get to do it together as the body of Christ. I pray that today we would believe that. That even if we don't have, even if we don't walk out of here with like, yeah, I got that. But we walk out of here with, man, I want to know what that means because I want to live that way. I pray that that would be true for us. We're going to look next week at the reason that Jesus would do that, that God would do that. Why would God send His Son? Why has He purchased a people for Himself? And then in two weeks, we're going to look. How, what does that look like? What does that look like lived out? And that's where the rest of chapter three goes um, in, in Colossians three one through seventeen. And so we'll spend some time there. I pray that today we would believe we are in Christ. When we think about what it means to be hidden with Christ and God, that it would give us joy, that it would also make us wonder, and we would go to the Word and we'd read it, we'd believe it, that we'd proclaim it, and that we'd rejoice together. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you that um, you have purchased for us by your blood reconciliation, right standing with a holy God. Lord, I do pray that you would... God, if we've been around church for any period of time, our hearts can become dulled to the fact that you gave up yourself to purchase us, that you crucified your son so that we could be with you. So, Lord, I just pray that today you would remind us again that that would stir affection, desire, joy. God, and that you would also help us with just even processing. What does it mean to be in Christ, to be hidden with Christ in God? We thank you that before the holy God, we have a strong and perfect plea that we can plea Christ has purchased me. I am in Christ. I'm hidden with Christ. And when God the Father looks at us, He sees the perfect righteousness of His Son. God, You are good. We rejoice in that this morning. We thank You for it. In Jesus' name, amen.